0: Hello, and welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Nations Restaurant News and Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor, Brett Thorne, speaking to you right before Hanukkah starts. It, it begins tonight. And I will be lighting uh, some candles on my menorah, two to be to be specific, uh, for the first night of Hanukkah. Uh, the way it works is you start with two candles on the first night. One candle is used to light the other one. It's sort of the helper. And so on the first night, you have two candles. On the second night, you have three, etc. cetera, so on, uh, until the eighth night. So that's what I'm starting. I'm also celebrating the holiday season with a very holiday-appropriate uh couple of guests. I have uh, Carl Sobosinski, uh, the founder and head and boss of Table 301, a restaurant group in Greenville, South Carolina, and Michael Manelli, the chef of Passerelle, which used to be part of Table 301, but Michael bought it from Carl uh, a couple of years ago in a process that is being repeated a lot within Table 301. Uh, Carl's mission, uh, apart from creating really lovely restaurants uh, throughout Greenville, mostly on a, a strip uh, in, in the center of the city, uh, his mission is to help other people and to uh, encourage his uh, employees who are looking for um, bigger opportunities, some entrepreneurship, interest in running their own restaurants, uh, Carl is enabling them to do that by teaching them and shepherding them along uh, and eventually uh, selling his restaurants to them. Uh, it's it's a very feel-good situation in which everybody wins uh people develop a a nice work-life balance while also making good livings and spending time with their families uh, and in general living their best lives and I hope you will take the time to sit back and enjoy this conversation that I had with Carl Sobosinski and Michael Manelli, because here they are. We can talk about whatever you guys want to talk about, but uh, I know, Carl, that you are in the process of kind of, you've built a huge restaurant empire in Greenville, South Carolina, and now you're kind of spreading it out, sharing the wealth, I think. Tell me. Yeah,
1: yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I, I think we all have an inflection points that sometimes it's at an age for me. I was going through a leadership program um, through the Aspen Global Leadership Network here in South Carolina. It's called Liberty Fellowship. And I was 45 and just started looking at um, purpose and what I had been doing. And was it impactful? Was it purposeful? And then what did I want to do with the next several years of, of you know, still healthy time and, and a chance to maybe be impactful? And then I hit 50 and I started thinking and asking those same questions. And now I'm about to turn 56, but, uh, but part of the strategy or part of the thought process early on 10 years ago was, um, you know, what does the restaurant business look like for this restaurant group for table 301? It's a, it's not unique, but it's, there's fewer of us I think doing it And, and I'm very careful to, Lump myself into you know some icons like Danny Meyer and and Pano-Keratosis in Atlanta and folks that have done similar things or I guess I've done similar things to them where I haven't necessarily scaled a product I've just created new and and unique um, entities all under our umbrella. So from a in in talking to a lot of folks in the industry and friends and peers, I realized that you know if you create one, let's take Sobey's our flagship, and you. Uh, replicate it and you put it in 10 or 15 cities, um, that's something that a lot of people, equity firms and and money money managers would be interested in purchasing and trying to scale and, and take to the next level of 40 or 50 or 100. Um, but we had this unique concept and um, philanthropy and giving back to the community and um, and helping those that have helped me along the way has always been something that has been ingrained in me early on. And so I just came up with, I think, um, on our own through some great conversations of, you know, why don't we help those people that have helped us get here by helping them become owner operators and and, um, creating the next generation of entrepreneurs and and business owners. And so, um, yeah, Michael was the um, second or third one to uh, to pass on one of our restaurants to, Um, And then just recently, a month ago, we passed on our fourth to our managing partner. So it's been a hugely rewarding um, experience to be able to, again, help those that came along for the ride and and worked with us and our team and and helped me fulfill dreams that I had as a young man um, and to see see that next generation, that next wave of entrepreneurs um, come through. So it's worked out well. Uh, You get that kind of, you know, great. Great feeling inside of helping others, which is what we do in hospitality. We take care of others. Um, and for the first time when we did start selling these restaurants, um, I was able to take a little bit off the table and and you know provide some savings and some retirement funds and um, things that will hopefully help me and my family down the road that that I didn't necessarily do in the first fifteen or twenty years.
0: well, let's let's step back a little bit and let our audience know more about you. Uh, Carlos Sobosinski and the Table 301 Group. Uh, you are in Greenville, South Carolina, which was a quiet city without a, not a lot going on downtown. And then, I mean, you kind of brought in, you opened a bunch of restaurants down that main strip, and and kind of got the the city going. And now it has it's sort of a vibrant, thriving little metropolis.
1: Is that accurate? Yeah. You it, yeah, I mean, it's it's wow. accurate that Greenville's vibrant and we got a great little metropolis going here. You know, you've probably heard me say this before, but I I tell people all the time. I was young, dumb, and naive, and sometimes those are three good attributes to have when when you're an entrepreneur. Um,
2: and you're from I, New
0: Hampshire, right?
1: I am. I grew up in New England, um, born in Boston and raised in New Hampshire, uh, and then you migrated were to migrated south to. to clemson and thought i wanted to be an architect studied architecture at clemson but uh like a lot of college students i started waiting tables and bartending and um the industry sucked me in and uh and i love it it was the best thing that could have happened and then we started a little restaurant group with one restaurant in 1997 and um that is our flagship sobeys and it's still here today and over the last 26 years um I think we've started and built uh, somewhere near 15 different concepts. Uh, we still own and operate seven or eight of them. We've transitioned four of them to uh, to our our managing partners like Michael. And three or four of them, we've either closed or rebranded um, at some point over the years.
0: You had all sorts of things. I and mean, you have Sobies, which is sort of modern Southern, right? And you have an Italian place, a, you had a smoothie shop, do you still have that?
1: Yeah, so that was the one we most recently sold. That was our plant-based uh, health and wellness-oriented lifestyle brand. Um, and Olivia Esquivel, our um, managing partner, she took that over.
0: And you had a Taqueria, which I think was the first one that you, that you, I wanna say offloaded, but that sounds unkind. You you enabled the <laughs> the guy running it to be the owner of the place, right? Yeah, Poppy.
1: Jorge Barrales, Poppy, he purchased that restaurant from us in 2019. Gianna was, the Italian concept was 2020. Michael did Passerelle, our French bistro, in 21. And then this year, Southern Press juicery.
0: So now let's introduce our audience to Michael Manelli. Hi, Michael.
1: Hello, how
2: are you?
0: And you are, I'm great. Uh, happy to talk to uh, both of you. And you are the owner now of... Mm-hmm of Passerelle, is that right? Passerelle bistro. Yes, sir, that's correct. So, tell us all about you and tell us about Passerelle if
2: you would. So, Passerelle was a little French bistro kind of in a little nook in the falls of downtown greenville and <clears throat> the Liberty Bridge is one of the largest suspension bridges in I think in this is it in the country, Carl? I'm not 100% sure. Um it might be, um but it's one of the focal points of tourism downtown is to go over the suspension bridge look at the falls that have been reborn back in 2004 when they had a little cafe there and then carl took it over in 2013 from the previous owner made it into passerelle and they ran it as passerelle for I mean, still passerelle but they ran it um to as a french bistro for close to seven or eight years and then um i was talking to carl when i moved down here in 2016 and 2017 and telling him that I moved to Greenville with the intent of, you know, trying to get into a restaurant. He said, I have a location that just needs some love on it. It needs, it needs an owner operator mentality. So I ended up moving down there from Sobeys cause I worked at Sobeys for a year and jumped into Passerelle feet first and kind of just got my, my bearings of the whole park situation. Cause it's very interesting. It's, it's lovely in the spring, summer, fall, the winters are a little quiet. But you you hunker down and you you tighten your helmet and you get through the winters. But when the when the trees start blooming and the flowers start coming out, it it's a busy little spot. I mean, we're only eighty seats outside and about thirty-five inside. And I mean we can have brunches where we do three hundred and fifty people. It's 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 wild. So but, it's and it's a
0: beautiful setting, if I remember correctly. It's sort of overlooking a ravine and
2: it's Yes. We have four tables on this little corner railing that overlook the fall. So those are pretty much the tables that a lot of a lot of native Greenvillians bring their their friends to to town to show them the city and, and kind of convince them to to move to Greenville. So we've seen a lot of engagements there, a lot of romantic happenings there, um, and a lot of just people coming down to to show off Passerelle that I'm meeting for the first time. They're saying, "Hey, you got to come see the falls. You got to see Passerelle. It's this cute little bistro in the park. It's great." So. Why did you move to Greenville? Um, I mean, you you live in New York. You know how it is. Yeah. I, uh, I, was, I was in New Jersey, kind of not spinning my wheels, but working very hard for a company in the Northeast. I was growing pretty rapidly and um, I didn't really have a, a second to breathe and I really wanted to focus on trying to focus on myself to open up a restaurant, trying to secure a future for my family and all that and uh, I ended up saying, look, I came to Greenville in 2014 for my sister's wedding and we ran around downtown Greenville and all loved it. So after the wedding, we all started getting our ducks in a row and my sister moved, my mom moved, I moved. And the whole family just took the trip and took the plunge down south to to Greenville.
0: And I, I bet while you were there for the wedding, you accidentally ate in a bunch of Carl's restaurants because they're, <laughs> they're
2: all there. Actually, Chuck, rest in peace, was there and he ended up coming by the table and copying us a dessert for my mother's birthday, which fell along that timeline. And I remember I set up in, in the upstairs, um, not on the, on the pat the um, not on the bridge, but on like your big main deck area up there. And we had like 16 of us. And I remember looking at the menus and it was the copper menu holder. And I took a picture of it and I went back to New Jersey and I was like, we got to do something like this at a restaurant. This is like classy, but it's like, super it's it just looks really sharp and the wine list I opened it up I was like their wine list is insane I've never seen a wine list this large where did they even store that and then Chuck was nice enough to get a manager to walk me down the stairs because he was slow at the time and he took me for a tour of the wine of the wine cellar and showed me that little amazing space down there it was it was very cool it was super hospitable I said this is like they're doing it down here there there's I mean New York New Jersey they got it dialed in but Whoever owns this restaurant is definitely doing something special. So when I moved down here, my younger sister was a, a reporter at the time, and she knew Gina Boulware, who's the one of the PR people for Table 301, and she got me an interview with Steve Seitz, who's their director of operations, and I sat down with Steve, and then it was just like, all the things just kind of started falling into place. We had Steve, a long conversation with Steve when I sat with him, and I was getting a parking ticket, parking in a two-hour parking space for an interview. <laughs> and, uh, but he told me Carl's, his, his vision for what he's done and what he's planning on doing and where he was going. And I said, this is where I need to be. This is like something, ha- something the gods fell in my favor and I'm, I'm right where I need to be. So I you know I hoped for the interview and I did a working interview with uh, with the management staff there at, at Sobeys back in, gosh, it was like August, 2016. And I don't, I mean, maybe Carl saw something, but I know I used to sprint around that gigantic restaurant just trying to see everything, just loved everything about it. So I just kind of instantly fell in love with with Sobey's. That's that was my my pull into to Carl in the restaurant.
0: And so you started at Sobey's and then ended up at Passarel.
2: Yes, sir. So I was working at Sobey's for about thirteen, fourteen months, and Carl was on Expo pretty much every day because he said the owner either needs to be at the door or he needs to be at Expo to make sure food's getting out or maintain the pace of the door of people getting sat. So. He's at Expo. He's pouring she crab soup, and I'm talking to him, and I'm just like, I got to I gotta do something. So he says, have you ever been to Paso Real? I said, honestly, I, I haven't. So the funny thing was, the, what, what, what really amazed me is that Sobeys had, I think, one manager at that point and a couple key holders. We had some servers that were filling in, just kind of making our way through the typical restaurant stuff. And he said, when do you want to go? I said, as soon as possible. He said, want to start next week? And I said, well, let's, you're not going to have a manager at, at your flagship restaurant. He says, we'll figure it out. So it's just very selfless of him to just shift his whole day-to-day operation there and just figure that out so I could go start my journey into into Carl, why did you do that?
1: You know, when you see uh, somebody like like Michael, you, you know, I wish we had, you know, a hundred of them, but he had the energy, he had the enthusiasm, he understood customer service um he had the passion the drive and so you know you 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 just kind of walk along side by side and and uh i've never at the you know the book good to great right you got the right people on the bus but then you got to get them in the right seats and we've oftentimes we don't have everybody in the right seat well it doesn't doesn't do you any good to keep them in the wrong seat so make the changes quick and um and rip the band-aid off and then get to work with the right people uh in the right seats on the bus
0: when it sounds like if someone says i would like to sit there then you let them sit there unless, unless <laughs> obviously it's a bad fit but if it's a good one
2: no,
1: he exactly does. we have that that happens a lot at um i'm sure michael deals with that with those four tables overlooking the falls and <laughs> um and then we have five booths that sovies out of a, you know five booth tables um out of 65 tables and everybody wants to sit in a booth so um <laughs> sometimes that one's tough but Generally, no is not in our vocabulary. yes. Yeah, yeah, Cameron thinking, Mitchell said, yes is the answer, what is the question?
0: Right, yeah, I was thinking more of the, the bus analogy, but it's also true in restaurants that there are tables and some of them are the ones where everyone wants to sit. Mm-hmm. So, so Carl, what's the process of uh, you uh, passing your restaurants on to uh, your employees?
1: You know, and I, I told Michael when we started talking about it, you know, his was different than Chef Kramer at Gianna. Um, Michael took over Passerelle, which was something that, as he mentioned, we started, uh, we purchased and renovated and remodeled and rebranded in 2012. And we were just kind of spinning our wheels. We had good people in there running it, but they didn't have that ownership mentality. And so I was just at a point where after three years, four years, I didn't want to spin my wheels anymore. And I said, this thing has so much potential um, and you want to be an owner operator. Why don't you go check it out and see what you think? And so after he went in there and he saw what it was like and that that he could make a difference, um, I said, well, here's my goals and I know your goal. So let's set up a three phase um, process, almost like doing a Hiring somebody and then doing a six month review and a 12 month review. So we set up three phases. And as Michael hit each different phase, um, then more ownership would would be awarded to him. And then there would be a purchase of some of the, um, some of the ownership um, at the final stage. So that was the way we set that one up with Chef Kramer. We I knew that when we hired him, that he was joining our team in the hopes of owning his own restaurant one day and that we would build that restaurant together. He would um, enter it with some sweat equity and be the managing partner. And then at the right appropriate time after we had paid off the initial debt, then we would um, settle on a, on a sale price and and whatnot. So each, I think each opportunity can look um, infinitely different uh, depending on what the circumstances are. And just to further that, our last two restaurants that we've done, one in uh, 2021 and one the beginning of this year, January of 23, uh, we did those with internal folks um, that, much like Chef Kramer, um, we built those and they were already on the team and a big part of it. And so they will have, they're the managing partners with some equity and they will have the opportunity to buy those um, down the road here. So it, it
0: varies based on the situation. The first one that you you spun off was the Tuckeria, right?
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: And what what was that like?
1: You know, it was uh, it, it probably gave us the greatest satisfaction and and really the best story there is because Jorge Baralis came here um, as an immigrant uh, alone. About well, he worked at Sobies on day one, so that was twenty six years. He's probably been in the states for thirty years after he got to the states and he got established uh he brought his family and um then he came to work for us as a dishwasher and he worked his way up from uh a porter and in the dish room to a prep cook to a kitchen manager to an owner operator of Poppy's Tacos Amazing. and we built it uh you know with the intent of of him it was built all around him it's called Poppy's Tacos and he was affectionately referred to as Poppy in the restaurant Um, And on Saturdays, a different a different cook or chef would make family meal. And every time it was his turn, he would make these amazing enchiladas and tacos and all this uh, amazing Mexican street food from his family recipes. And so I would walk through the kitchen and try the food. And, you know, one day I was like, Poppy, you and me, we're going to open a restaurant one day. Poppy's tacos. And he's like, Okay, yes, sir. I would love to. Yes, sir. (laughs) And uh, and so we spun that into literally opening up this little taqueria for a while we called it the food truck without wheels because it's about 800 square feet uh it's a tiny footprint um, and difficult to to generate you know real high sales and revenue so for you know we wanted to make sure before he took that project on that it generated enough sales and that he understood the financials and the whole business side of it um, to really make sure that he had a chance to succeed for him and his family And, you know, out of that, that less than a million dollar a year revenue operation, somewhere in the 650 to 800 a year, um, he's been able to make a nice living for himself and his family. And they just opened uh, about Mm -hmm. two months ago, they just opened their second store. So um, it's just it's a great story. I love it. Yeah, that
0: that warms the heart to, uh, you know, kind of train people and then see what they're good at and and help them succeed. And the fact that he was able to open the second restaurant. That's awesome. That's hard to do. Yeah.
1: It's pretty cool. And and they have a food truck.
0: So they have two locations and a food truck. Yeah. Two food truck. Uh cool. And and Michael, when did you take
2: ownership of Passarel? So I did the the buy-in started back in 2018. It was I think it was right after uh right before my son was born. Um, cause we ended up having a little firecracker a little early with me and my, my wife. And, uh, we ran through the agreement pretty quick. I mean, it was COVID, but we tightened our belts with everything and got through 19 and 20 in the end of 20, it was December 31st. We, we finished it off. And your wife is a chef, right? She was, we have our second, we have a, a five and a half month old and a, a four and a half or a five-year-old turning five in a week um so she's taken somewhat of a step back um she's booking all the events now which is turned into a almost a full-time job but she's doing it from home which is which is great um so she's able to spend the time with the boys and and be a mom and all that stuff so we have a chef in there a sous chef and then i have two managers now which we've haven't had before but um it enables me to have a little more freedom to to spend time with family and then be there during the busy times, but know that the restaurant's being managed, and I don't have to be tied to it for my seven eight shifts a week every single week. So it's it's nice. I can be there to support and and give the feedback and be in the restaurant as much as I want to, but also have the ability to to see kids grow up and all that, which is very
1: necessary.
0: Well, and that that
2: was your whole idea when you moved
0: to Greenville in the first place, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: So, it's, so, so Michael's not telling you the whole story. So when he took over never never he, uh, so when he took over and started at Passarelle, um, uh, he was down there and working with a team that was there. And then, um, as tends to happen in many industries, <laughs> but in the restaurant industry, a romance, uh, blossomed and yes, his wife is a chef. And, um, uh, prior to coming to Greenville, I think, uh, Jen owned her own. She did in Alabama. Uh, restaurant so she has that ownership understanding and mentality uh but their romance blossomed and they got married and they have their two children and so she is always a chef she just isn't in the restaurant these days correct
2: correct I keep telling her I said when the boys get a little older and they're in school will you come back because <laughs> at the restaurant we work very well together we have a very good work relationship I mean obviously, obviously we're married but our work relationship doesn't falter in the restaurant, we can, we know that we're looking out for each other. And that's always what I envisioned. So it was, I'll go back to what Carl's saying is I was working at Sobeys and I always knew if I was going to survive in this business and ever have a family, I'd have to have somebody in the industry that kind of, that was like-minded like myself that had the same style of work ethic, but maybe somebody in the back. And when she walked into Sobeys, I said, that's my wife. Like she walked in, And I said, that's, that's her. Like I knew it instantly. She still says you're full of shit. But mm-hmm. I said, no, I'm I'm dead serious. So if you walked into your chef jacket with your hair up in a bun. And I was like, that's my wife. That's, that's her. I got to go get her. So we were driving home. I went to Nosedive for a drink. A little short story. We, another was, uh, Table
0: 301 location, right? Another what?
2: Table 301 location. So I was single at the time, but Jem, my wife was working there. And I went to Nosedot to get a drink and a bite to eat after work and then was driving home. And I was at a red light. We we're pulling up to a red light and I saw her car there. Like I saw her just smoking a cigarette out the window. And I pulled up. I said, Jen, what are you doing? I said, Chef, what are you doing? And she says, I'm heading home. I said, You want to go get a drink? And she said, Sure. Where are we going? I said, Follow me. So I pulled in front of her. He took off and then the rest was history. <laughs> <laughs> so it happened very quickly. But yeah, she was. She ended up moving down to Passerelle as the chef. In gosh, it was probably like September, so she was about seven months pregnant, and uh, and worked the line until the day before she had the baby. She's a she's a strong woman.
0: So well, it's nice that that she liked you back because that's <laughs> <option. Yeah. laughs> not yeah. always the case. So no,
2: no, no, that's very true. That's very true. That's, well,
0: that's great. Uh, yeah. and, and so, what are your plans with Passerelle?
2: So, I mean, just keeping the wheel in motion at this point. um, we have a good, a good thing going. So I'm kind of waiting for the right opportunity to strike me for something else. But, I mean, we're very, i don't want to I don't want to be too content. but um, you know, i i like I like the freedoms I have right now with being able to see the kids and all that. And I'm thinking in the next maybe a couple of years when they get a little older, maybe try to dive into something else. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to focus on family and make sure family stays good and stable because the restaurant business can be challenging with the family. So we have great managers. They've all risen from within. Um, so they have a love for Passerelle, which is nice. I have two servers that are in the managerial roles that Run the restaurant exactly how I would want it run, granted, they're young and they make some mistakes, but they're always looking out for the best interest of of the restaurant and they're they were all table through one employees before, so they they all have that mindset, they all have that hospitality gene, and it's it's good i'm I'm in a very very good place, so you know it's it a lot of uh chefs
0: and restaurant people have talked about, seriously, about work-life balance mm-hmm. since the pandemic started, but it wasn't much of the conversation most of the time beforehand. Restaurant mm-hmm. people work themselves to death.
2: Correct.
0: Uh, although, Carl, you were already in the process of, of offloading uh, your businesses quite a few years before COVID started. I think we were talking at the National Restaurant Show, I don't know, quite a while ago. And you are already getting uh, ready to to transition poppies away from you and uh, yep. to its owner. So, what what allowed you to have that perspective of of it sounds like like not just uh, elevating the people around you and and allowing them to to be entrepreneurs, but also to like not have your fingers in all of the pies and to kind of step back a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, several things, you know, have benefited me over the over the course of this. I mean, in 2006, I was uh, nominated to join the board of the National Restaurant Association. Um, One of the best things that could have happened, I I still stay involved as a director emeritus and um, the connections and the contacts and the friendships that I've made and the ability to pick up the phone and talk to somebody about an issue that, you know, is present in their community or in their restaurant. um, It's just it's been able, it's allowed me to be able to take a look at some of the challenges in our industry a long time before they, you know, really became talked about like mental health issues and work-life balance. Um, And, and even before that, when I opened the restaurant in 97, as a young man, I said, this is what I'm doing for my career. And it is a noble and a respected career in in european cities uh even in big major american cities there are lifers in this industry servers bartenders and that's what i wanted to bring to south carolina to greenville i wanted people to realize that it's a noble profession and you can be a server until you're 60 65 years old and you can be a bartender and you can be a cook and a chef and a sous chef and so just having that mindset from day one Um, allowed us to be a little bit ahead of the curve, but also the ability and the opportunity to to meet folks like Danny Meyer, who were also forward thinking and cared about their employees and their associates and and took care of them first. So just if you surround yourself with people that are doing the right thing and like-minded, then it tends to be a lot easier to to, um, you know, kind of follow through with that and and live that that kind of um, that kind of culture and that's what we've tried to create here at table 301 is is that culture you know i can't think of a time when somebody said um i got a kid's recital i need to go to and i was like then go you know go do that the the restaurant will run it's kind of like when michael said i'm ready to go i was like then go you know let's get you down there um things will they'll take care of themselves the restaurant will run but you know like michael said you know wanting to be um wanting to be present for the kids and the The family, those, those years go by and then they're gone. And so I, um, another thing that probably helped me was having my own two daughters and uh, they're 16 and 18 now, but over those last 10 years, eight years, I've been able to spend a lot of time with them. Um, So, so knowing that and being a dad, then you respect and you understand what the moms and dads want to do uh, with their kids and why they want to be there for them halloween you know i'll work halloween because that's not my favorite <laughs> holiday you take your kids out you go trick-or-treat and have all that fun
0: yes we are we are recording this on halloween so yes yeah. uh is it hard to let go carl when you know because you created these these restaurants and you know then you're like passing the ownership on to somebody else is is that a challenge
1: it's not uh it's it hasn't been for poppies, Pastorel, gianna um you know, I tell everybody Sobeys is, is not on the table. Anything else (laughs) um, you guys can, you guys can uh, come to me and we'll, we'll talk through some strategies and ideas. Sobies is just, that's, I spent nine, 10 months of my life building it, like literally ripping out the walls of the existing uh, business that it was. It was a retail shoe store um, before it was the restaurant. Uh, So my, my fingerprints are all over the, all over the walls of that. And my nickname growing up with Sobe. So it's, um, it's kind of the, the namesake. It doesn't mean I love it any more than Nosedive or Lazy Goat or any of the others, but, um, but that, this one's hard to give up. I still, if I'm working an evening shift, it's usually in Sobies. I expedited, I ran the pass this past Friday and Saturday and, and I get a kick out of it and I watch the others that are doing it and I, they're not doing it the right way. They're not doing uh-huh. it the way that I do it. Um, but, but yeah, if I were younger, I would say giving up some of that control would be difficult, but I did, uh, cause I was much more controlling and had to have my finger on everything in my thirties and maybe early forties. And then I just realized that it's kind of, like I said earlier, it's, it's going to be all right. It's going to run, uh, you know, just let the people that you've put faith in and that you trust, um, take care of it. And, uh, it may not be perfect to my standard, but I'm not perfect in my ways, aren't always the only ways. Um, and so as you age and you mature, you kind of learn learn a lot more of that and if settle down it. a little bit.
0: Great. Well, we I want to ask you more questions, but we're about out of time. So thank you both, Carl uh, Sobosinski and Michael Manelli for hanging thank out you. with me here. And uh, congratulations on your success. And I wish you many,
1: many more years of it.
0: As many thank as you want.
1: Thank you, Brett. Always good to be with you. Get yourself down to Greenville sometime soon.